Apple and Sports Cover 2 Podcast. Wait, this wait, wait. Page. Why are you doing this? I thought it was my job. Man. Welcome to the Apple and Sports Cover 2 Podcast. Did I get replaced again? Welcome to the Apple and Sports Cover 2 Podcast. This is AppleandSports.com. My name is Brayden Gall. You're Mitch Light. This is it, Mitch. This is the pod. This is the one. The semifinal preview podcast as the college football playoff approaches. I thought it was the Gasparilla Bowl recap. Um, it could be. It could be. I don't know if the people are clamoring for that. There might be some clamoring. Marshall fans, excited? Mm, okay. Uh, all right, so happy holidays to everybody out there. I love derailing when you're so excited yes, to do something. Just yeah, keep derailing. Yeah, just derail away. Um, so uh, we've got the holidays. This is being recorded before Christmas, but we wanted to give it to you uh, for your Christmas vacation travel. So when and, Nick Saban comes out with detailed right. injury reports, we might not be 100% percent Or Lincoln that. Riley with Marquise Brown as yes. well. So Marquise Brown. Which no one's really talking about. Yeah, there's nothing out there. Uh, I've even reached out to, to sources and yeah. haven't gotten much back from Marquise. It's, a, it's kind of a big deal. Marquise Brown. Now, Alabama did release its depth chart, and its depth chart does have Tua Tungavailoa lifted, listed as the starter. So that is one uh, one tiny, well, of course. whatever I mean, that means. It would be news I, if he was not listed as the starter. It's the only depth chart that's officially been released by the other of I just of checked this morning. Teams, so. you, you, are, you are correct, sir. Yes. So, all right. So, we, just so that everybody knows, this is before, we are recording this before Christmas. So, if at some point during the Christmas holiday or during the week, if news breaks about those two players, we I'm going to function as Tua as the starter and is healthy. We will ask the question today, what happens if he's not? And then, of course, I, I'm assuming Marquise Brown will give it a go. I don't think he's going to be able to do much, but Did that's not just look ide- like an ideal doctors. situation. We're not doctors, no. Um, but this is it. This is fun. This is exciting. We got two games to discuss. Uh, I want to start, however, because you know this show is, you know, we're football people. We're savvy football people. We're in the weeds, but this is about what does it mean, Mitch? And so I want to ask you first before we make the case for the upsets, because I have a feeling we're both. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give anything away here. When we make predictions at the end of the podcast, I have a feeling everybody and their mother knows where we're going to go with, with our predictions. But I want to make the case for the upset. How does Notre Dame win? How does Oklahoma win? But what I wanted to ask you before that is what would it mean if they do? Because I think when you read Notre Dame people writing about this game, it's about shocking the world, right? It's same thing when you read Oklahoma people writing about this game. It's about shocking the world. Which, which one would mean more to the university as far as the upset goes? I think you can make the case for Notre Dame. Yeah, I think Notre Dame. I I, I really do. I, I think the if I'm a Notre Dame fan, my fear is if I get blown out, if it's 34 to 10, it's like 2012 it, all over again. In next year, two years when you're, when you're in the same situation, now the committee, we talk about this all the time. It's, it's the way we do our predictions in our magazine is every year is a different year. We judge each team on its own. The committee next year in two years should look at Notre Dame on its own but there's no way you don't have that in the back of your mind that they've been on the big mm. stage two times in six, seven years, and they've gotten blown out. And we'll, not that this matters either, but we know college football fans, all we do is kind of follow the narrative throughout the season. The narrative will be, I don't care that Notre Dame's 8-0 in 2020. They cannot compete in the playoff. I think that's, that's the yeah. fear. No, and, and it's not just a last couple of years. It's sort of a 25-year narrative for Notre Dame. Now – Interestingly enough, Clemson and Notre Dame's recruiting rankings. We mentioned this on our last impromptu mini pod uh, that uh, that I that I posted by me. Yeah, I thought you did a wonderful job, by the way. Um, and although good to be back in the saddle, uh, <laughs> I, I, where I, you talk a lot more. Eighth in the nation in recruiting over the last five years for this Clemson team. Ninth in the nation on average in recruiting over the last five years for Notre Dame. So on paper, not counting attrition, which Clemson is very very good at avoiding. 
for whatever reason, they just have guys that ref- they don't forego those senior season. They don't transfer. They outside like to of, play mini golf outside of outside of quarterbacks. Um, but it's you know it, those are two talented rosters that are on paper very similar in talent. Now in real life, we know Clemson is the far more talented team. So I agree. I don't. I always find it interesting that when we say things like no, 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 it's not the SEC that wins. It's just Alabama. We don't ever say that about the other leagues. If Oklahoma wins, we're like, oh, this is huge for the Big Twelve. Right. And it is. It's big for the Big Twelve. But it's not Oklahoma. Is it the only because the SEC doesn't? I don't know how to say this. Doesn't need to prove itself. It, it, it's just kind of its own little thing. No, I just think it's the only argument. Thing. I think it's the only argument you can make against the SEC. Uh, the SEC is the best league. It's not close. Yeah. And I think everybody outside of it is tired of hearing that. So every year they try to come up with something new. And the new thing is in the last few years. Oh, it's not the SEC that's very good. It's just Alabama, where we don't do that with any other league, it, especially in the Big Twelve, where it's largely been just Oklahoma for you know pretty much since '09. So. Um, I think it is big for the Big 12 of Oklahoma, Oklahoma wins. Uh, do you think how, how much – I guess I'm going to answer my own question with none because of the lack of respect Oklahoma got throughout most of this season. How, how much credit or respect we should have given what Oklahoma did to Georgia last year? I know they lost the game, but was it just a they, – they hit him in the mouth in the first half and then couldn't move the ball in the second half? To me, that yeah. – that, so that, I, that's still impressive. So to get ready for this podcast, I went back and really dug into both games last year's semifinal games, Alabama-Clemson and, and Georgia-Oklahoma. And a couple of things, I'll, I'll get to the Clemson takeaways in a minute because I think it actually means a lot for both the Alabama game and the Clemson game, to be honest with you. But the Georgia-Oklahoma thing, the two things I took away from that, and I think we've mentioned this on the pod, but we can go a little bit deeper into this. The, the thing I took away from the Oklahoma-Georgia game, two of them, one – Georgia's ability to rip off massive chunks of, of yards on the ground, explosive plays. We're talking, you know, 16 and a half yards of carry for, for Sonny Michelle, 11 yards of carry for Nick Chubb. And we're, those are massive numbers when you're running the ball 25 times between the two of them or whatever the thing, whatever the number was. So they, they didn't stop Georgia at any point during the game. The other thing is, is that Georgia totally shut Oklahoma down on offense in the second half. They had 10 possessions. This is my favorite stat from that game. They had 10 possessions in the second half in overtime. Oklahoma did 10 offensive possessions. They scored one touchdown. That's an incredible performance against an offense of that caliber. So Georgia, and and you could argue Alabama's defense is better than Georgia's. It's it's in the same level. Exactly. If nothing else, it's on right, par. Right. So that was one of the big takeaways. I think. I think part of the reason, and this is sort of leaning into our predictions already. Part of the reason I personally am laying the points with Bama is that I think people have this thing about last year that it was this close game. That it was well, it was back, a close game, right? But that it was it went but, to overtime. But that it was back and forth, and that Oklahoma. So it was a great game, but I don't it was entertaining. Think, I don't think people realize how dominant Georgia was in the second half. They were down so big. Oklahoma very good in the first half. They were down so big that they they dominated on both sides of the ball in the second half. And so, is this Oklahoma offense better? I think it lot to on Brown. If Marquise Brown is healthy, then I think it's on par. Can I call him Hollywood? Yeah, it's Hollywood Brown. Yeah, I know. I think I'm going, he, I'm going to call him Hollywood. If he's fully healthy, then the offense is on par. I don't think he's fully healthy. I don't think anyone thinks yeah, I mean, that. We're going to – these stats just – Are these getting, Oklahoma stats? Yeah, if I'm getting – So, ahead, let me, so let, okay. let's, let's transition and do how do the teams pull the upset, right? Because okay. it's not really interesting to, for us to discuss why Alabama's going to win or why Clemson's going to win. I want to know, in your brain, visualize the game. It's playing out in front of you on television – and Oklahoma's winning, and Notre Dame's winning. What is it that's happening that leads to that? And the only two things I can come up with, and I'm leading into your Oklahoma stats here, the only two things I can come up with, number one, Kyler Murray is just a, a Heisman Trophy spectacular extravaganza performance of a lifetime where he just does crazy things and nobody has an answer for him. 
and Alabama's special teams suck, which they do, that costs them close points in a close game, in a high-scoring game. They miss some field goals, some extra points, whatever. Those are the two things yeah. I come up with with Oklahoma. I think special teams is good. Special teams is good. For, for me, it's almost like Tua, assuming he plays, is just off. Like The thing that just was alarming to me watching Oklahoma in the, in the Big 12 championship game was how bad their corner – how bad their secondary was. I have no doubt guys that guys are wide open. Yeah, I have no <laughs> doubt that Alabama's going to have guys wide open. They need Tua for whatever reason to miss a few throws and sail one that gets picked off or whatever. Deflection. If he if he's early yeah. season Tua, they've got no chance. If he for whatever reason isn't comfortable on his leg or just he's missed some throws late in the year against some better defenses, they need that to happen. Um, here are some of the stats that were just mind boggling, and I, I knew them, but I was looking at Notre Dame comparing Notre Dame's. Good passing game, but no lack of explosiveness in the passing game. No wide receiver averaging over 15 yards per catch. Oklahoma has three wide receivers averaging yeah. 17 or more. Rodney Anderson, who and was one of those one of those guys may not play. Right. We don't know. Rodney Anderson, who was one of the better running backs in the country, goes down. Freshman Kennedy Brooks averaging 10.3 yards per carry. Trey Sermon 11.9 yards per carry. That's staggering to have two running backs averaging more than 10 yards per carry. And three wide receivers averaging more than 17 yards per catch. And it's because the Oklahoma offensive line, which is led by four upperclassmen and Creed Humphrey, what people are calling the best freshman offensive lineman in Oklahoma history. Um, he's a redshirt freshman, you know, wrestler growing up as a kid. Just like I dreamed of playing center my whole life. Like that's this kid's story. He's very, very good. Well, he's going against probably the, the second defensive lineman off the board of the NFL draft in Quinnen Williams, who's having – a monster Legendary season two and is last two thirds of the season and is one of the best defensive linemen we've seen at Alabama in quite some time. I, I don't. I love Creed Humphreys. I don't see him winning that right. battle routinely. But the reason those numbers exist for those off those running backs for Oklahoma is how good that offensive line is. That's the one thing that does give this team a chance. And they did. You know, Rodney Anderson had huge numbers against Georgia last last yes. season. That's part of why they were in the game in the, and had such a successful first half. Some more numbers, just. I talk a lot about, an, you know, if you're an offensive coordinator and you can get 200 yards rushing and 200 yards passing in the same game, that's like you're, you're doing everything right. Oklahoma had five games this year with 300-plus rushing and passing. Just think about that. 300 yeah. rushing and passing. Oklahoma's worst offensive game this year was seven yards per play against UCLA. If you averaged seven for a season, you would have been 10th in the country in total <laughs> offense. So their worst day, if they averaged that, they would have been 10th in the country. So – you know, it's what we talked about. But to me, my, my every time I want to pick Oklahoma, it's can they cover Alabama's wide receivers? So there's a That's, lot of other it's matchups. It's funny that there. you go that direction because I actually don't. I go to the front seven and I see Alabama's version of some Michelle and Chubb. There's a lot. And, of, there's a lot Harris, of problems Harris with Al yeah, that that matchup. I, I agree with you. They're they're going to be streaking wide open through the secondary. All of Texas's players were. Here's some numbers for you for Oklahoma. These ever just not safe for work. Okay, just if you're an Oklahoma fan, just mute mute the podcast for a second. Eight point one nine yards per play and forty points allowed against Kansas. Seven point eight yards per play and fifty six points allowed to West Virginia. Seven point four yards per play, forty seven points allowed to Oklahoma State. Six point nine yards per play, twenty seven points allowed Iowa State. Both games against Texas, six point six eight yards, six point six six yards, forty eight points. 45 points. a lot of numbers oh no texas tech 46 points the point is is when they played good teams and take kansas out of it because that one's even be even worse but the best teams they played this season west virginia oklahoma state iowa state texas texas tech and then texas again not one had less than 6.3 yards per play and only twice where they held below 30 points and those were 27 points so i don't see 
how how Oklahoma stacks up in any way. Now we're again trying to make the case. It's to me, it's Kyler Murray and bad special teams for Alabama. That's the that's and then to your point, Tua misses. Or some two, throws. okay, let's say Tua gets hurt or Tua can't go, I, and Hurts doesn't make the the mirac- no, miraculous isn't the right word. The great third down type throws he made against Georgia, and, I, I, and they become one dimensional. The, 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 I don't know how Alabama stops that one other dimension. That's my that's well, how my Oklahoma concern. stops that. Sorry, yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, no, I, I'm so yeah, we're we're, we're, we're so grasping. No, I know exactly. So here's Alabama's rushing numbers. I thought this was interesting on the season. Nineteenth um, in the country yards per carry, so pretty good rushing attack. Alabama, right? Three point nine yards a carry against Texas A and M. Only had one hundred nine yards rushing. We a lot of people point to that game uh, as one of the tougher games. Um, Three point two yards per carry gets Mississippi State, right? Great defensive line. One of the closer games-ish, uh, 24 points there. 142 yards rushing, 4.7 against Auburn, 5.4 against Georgia, only 123 yards and 157 yards. So teams have been good. The best, the, the toughest games Alabama has played, they have played it because they slowed down Alabama's rushing attack. And I don't see how Oklahoma does that. So I, I think Alabama is not only motivated because Kyler won the, won the Heisman, I think there's a Nick Saban deep deep in his brain where he won't admit it that he just doesn't like that Bob Stoops yapped about the Oklahoma Alabama thing for as long as he has so he's going to take it out of and it's not yeah it's not Stoops it's there anymore but I still think there's a he sees Stoops on the sideline well and Stoops is a big part of the program oh yeah Stoops is in in, he's in meeting rooms he's he's talking to coaches all day I mean Stoops is very much still a part of that that football coaching staff and, and program to some degree uh, I don't know how else you make the case for Oklahoma. I've got yeah. Alabama. I lay the points. I don't even care what happens. What are the points? With the quarterback now? is it fourteen? Uh, yeah, it's about. I haven't looked at the updated number, but I would. I I don't care if it's Jalen Hurts for every snap. I'm laying I'm the points. Oklahoma in the points. Okay. All right. We disagree. Feel, yeah. Feel good about we Alabama. Obviously, here's a stat. I know we're, this is stat heavy. Sometimes you, you, you got to concentrate when you're listening. I w- I hesitate to bring it up because I don't like a lot of times separating between passing and rushing stats defensively because you know if yeah. you can't stop the run you know the te- but right Oklahoma's defense gave up 300 rushing yards in two games Army and Kansas but didn't give up more than 180 in any other game so it's not like okay. they were torched every game okay but a lot of that is because teams were throwing on them so easily let, let me ask you this uh Alabama has um six of its seven front seven players are 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 good th- third year players yeah. or better they don't have much inexperience there but they do have Patrick Sertan and, and the McKinney kid who are both underclassmen playing in the secondary? Is that an area that o- that Oklahoma targets? I mean, Sertan, you know, five star corner, pretty pretty yes, pretty good freshman. I guess you know if you're looking for a potential, you know, I don't know if there's a weak spot, there's an experienced spot. But I think Oklahoma. I mean, the experience for Alabama is on offense. Yeah, they have seven sophomores. Oklahoma's going to be able to throw the ball. I think. Okay. As long as he's got time. Yeah, I I. Maybe, then maybe he rushes for 120 yards. Yeah, it's, it's possible. They will. Okay. Forget what Vegas says. What's your over under on points for Oklahoma in this game? Well, isn't it the highest total for any Alabama game ever? And it's like 84. Okay, I don't care right? about the, just, well, just but it. I'm, but I'm splitting the numbers here. So technically, Vegas is probably saying what? What do you? What would you put it at right now? If 50 you had, to 30 is if basically what. If you were the bookie on your on your East Nashville street. <laughs> and you wanted to make the most money, what would you set Oklahoma's over-under points on? Oh, man. 27 and I, I a half? I think they're going to go under. I would say probably 29 and a half. Okay. Just because so people go, oh, I want that 30. I think they can get to 30. I want that 30 and give them the hook and then win because they're held to 23. Count your money. I, I, I think I think it goes – I think it goes under, and I think Alabama wins easy. Like I don't think I think okay. the fourteen is okay. 
I don't know. I think there's a disrespect thing that's happening, and I don't, you know, I don't know how. Defending national champs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so let's get to the other one. How can Notre Dame win this game? And I will say this about – so I went back and looked at the Clemson offense from last year, and why did they get shut down? Certainly Alabama's defense Could not good. throw the ball. But their numbers offensively last year were not even close to what they are this year. Not as good, you mean? Not even, yeah. Fifty yeah. fourth in the nation in yard per, yards per oh, yeah, play they last were year. Not, that 35th was not thirty fifth in the nation in rushing. Great Clemson team. Sixty first in the nation in passing. Uh, they were not a, an explosive offense like we remember with Deshaun Watson. Now, I, again, this is all sort of master of the obvious stuff, but this is a far different Clemson offense with Trevor Lawrence, uh, and I think. When you start looking at the offense, 300, 300 yards rushing for Clemson five times this year. Five times. The teams that played them the toughest were the teams that stopped the run. Texas A&M, 3.5 yards to carry, 115 yards rushing. And that was still Kelly Bryant, though. So, And on the road. Yeah, I want to look at it the other way. Um, you said, how can Notre Dame win this game? Yeah, that's That'd true. A good, productive day from Ian Book. Two teams averaged more than 10 yards per attempt against Clemson this year. Texas A&M. In South Carolina, the two SEC teams they played had success throwing the ball against that's, them. That's true. Now, like Notre Dame, Ian Books had a really good year, 70% completion rate, 8.8 yards per attempt, but not a lot of big plays. They, they've got good wide receivers. They don't necessarily have big play wide receivers. They, no one runs on Clemson. Some teams have thrown the ball on Clemson, like the two teams I just mentioned. Right. Notre Dame will have to throw, throw the ball. I really like Dexter Williams and all that, but you cannot count on, you, you cannot count on rushing production. They're going to have to throw. I think – Ian Book's going to have to throw the ball 35 times to win this game. What's interesting is Notre Dame, and I think the, the interesting matchup's the other side of the coin as well. I, I agree. Now, Notre Dame's offensive line has been at strength for many, many years. They are not as nearly talented this year as they were last They're year. Good. At that They're good. They're not great. They're good. Um, but they've done a good job developing players at that position. That is sort of their bread and butter. Um, but I, I agree with you that, that Ian Book has to be the difference. And here's a I – was do, I was doing some research on these four guys – uh, Tua Tagovailoa, number one dual threat quarterback in the country, top 35 player in the nation as a recruit, five-star. Kyler Murray, number one dual threat quarterback recruit in the nation coming out of high school, top 35 player nationally, five-star. Trevor Lawrence, number one player in the nation, five-star. Ian Book. Could have gone to Washington State. Ian Book was number 512 in the country, regardless of position, and a three-star recruit. So there It is doesn't a matter. It doesn't, but there's a very big difference in talent between three of these guys and the other one. What about Moxie? So, Where's arm, he, arm he, talent. He's high on the moxie scale. Yes, football IQ. Yes. yes. Now, I love Ian Book. I, there is a very big difference in talent. One of these things is sort of not like the other. Um, he, here's the interesting thing on the flip side of this, and this is how I th my my argument for Notre Dame, m making a case for Notre Dame and winning, is that their front seven is more talented and more experienced than we think it is. Uh, Tillery's a first-round draft pick. If they've got a couple other guys that get drafted, I wouldn't be surprised. They've only allowed five plays of 40 yards or more and 12 plays of 30 yards or more, those are both top five nationally, meaning Notre Dame doesn't give up big plays. They don't give up the explosive big play. So if their front seven can somehow, you know, let's let's work our way to Ben, a, but don't break. Let's And let's work our way and bother a true freshman quarterback. That I could see Notre Dame's front seven maybe winning some more battles one-on-one -on -one with that Clemson offensive line than we sort of think because Clemson's offense this year is so much more dynamic than it was last year. Okay. I want to mention a bunch of teams, and you comment. Okay. Pittsburgh, South Carolina, Duke, Boston College, Louisville, Florida State, NC State, Wake Forest, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, 
Georgia Southern. Sounds like both of their schedules actually. <laughs> it's after basically <laughs> yeah. It's after Texas A&M. That's who that's who Clemson's played. There's so just the, not we. You know what we talk. But doesn't all, every game now when you're at a program like Clemson count as sort of a spotlight game? I get what no? you're saying, but that is. We can't be hypocrites because sometimes we talk about when we're comparing the Boise States and the UCFs. They don't have that week to week grind. They're not tested. Don't don't that, don't give don't give oxygen to that argument. Those that, are this schedule those are power is, five teams. Come I know on, they are, but the, it's not the most imposing schedule. I, I, neither was 2013 Florida State, which I always go to. I, it's still I, a, it's still I, I a get power it. five schedule. I get it, and they crushed people. And I mean Boston College, South, they played a physical team. South Carolina, Boston College, and how many points like, did they score on all those teams? A lot. I just again, okay. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with. It's, 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 it's a discussion it's point. A, it's a totally valid discussion point that Clemson hasn't been in that th- one versus four. You know where the entire country has been waiting for that matchup that Saturday night on the road in a tough environment. Like, like, you, like we were for Alabama, LSU. And even Alabama, Mississippi State. Oklahoma, Texas. Like if you want to I knock mean, Alabama's schedule, which people do, and it's very they, LSU, Mississippi State. They're, oh, they're, I, I'm not knocking Alabama's yeah. schedule. I think Notre Dame and Clemson, I, I mean, I think you could argue the same thing for Notre Dame. I mean, every team they played was down relative yeah, that, to that's, them. Yeah, that's unfortunate for, for them. Except for Syracuse. Yeah. So. Um, now the good thing is is that they were very impressive against – you know, Virginia Tech, Stanford, they, they had Florida a lot State. of close wins, but they had some dominant wins too. It wasn't like Notre Dame just sort of like inched its way into the playoff like like 0-2 Ohio State or something. Yeah, they played, and they played better in the last half of the season. Here's my issue though. As much as I love that front seven and they are great at not giving up the big explosive play, they're not, they're not, they're not incredibly active behind the offensive line of scrimmage. 63rd in tackles for loss, 36th in sacks. They're good. They're not, but they're not a disruptive force in the front seven. They're more like a soft zone type of team, if that makes sense. Notre Dame, yeah. You know, I always preface this by saying not a scout, whatever. But I did see Notre Dame in person, and I just I did not get the same fear feeling because obviously I'm watching it from a Vanderbilt standpoint. That when 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 you're going against teams, even like a South Carolina in the front seven. I'm not saying that South right, Carolina is right. better, but you know, a, a Georgia. I just they're very good defensive team. Who you saw in person. Yes. You you saw Georgia's defense and thought far better personnel than yes. Notre Dame. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Um, there's I just agree. certain, like, just the speed, size, ratio, all that. Again, not yeah. a scout. I just thought they were good, not great. I, I think there's another element, uh, sort of a broader step back from all this data and stats and individual matchups and, you know, talent and star rankings and all this stuff. And I just say, you know what? The, on that side of the ball, I think we can get into a far more interesting debate. Clemson's offense, true freshman, Notre Dame's defense, the strength of their team, strength versus sort of weakness for Notre Dame potentially on paper. Could they rattle a true freshman quarterback with some unique blitz packages, design, you know, truly desi- uh, um, uh, disguise your coverages, which is what every football coach in the world has ever tried to do, especially for a true freshman. Could there be some coaching that Brian Kelly does that levels the field on that side of the ball? Maybe. On the other side, back to our original side of the, the equation – I step back from this whole thing, just just forget everything and just say, this is why these guys came back to school for Clemson on the defensive line. This is the best defensive line we've seen in quite some time. Go out there like the Giants in 2007 and win the championship. You are the group that can win it for you. So go out and do it. And I I think there's some element where I want to say, you know what? I really like Notre Dame. I think they can be good here and be good there and pull some upsets here. At the end of the day, this is about the Clemson defensive line. This is about... De- you know Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins and Austin Bryant and three All Americans and Cleveland Farrell. You're the most dominant group. You came back for this game, 
go out there and handle your business, you'll beat Notre Dame. And if you're good enough, you beat Alabama. But, uh, you know, that, that's that's sort of kind of, I know it's really simplifying it. Yeah, but, it's fair. But I a mean, great defensive line can win you a game when nothing else is going right. Because they make disruptive plays and change the game. Because that's the only thing that can stop a great quarterback is, and win. is a great defensive line. I mean, this is, again, more master of the obvious, but when you've got a great defense and you can get that offense in negative play, you know, second and 14. Yep. I mean, second and 12. You're right. What about second and 13? Fine. Okay. Actually, second and nine is a huge yeah. W. If yeah. you ask, uh, you know, met defensive coaches that are focused on metrics, and there are a lot more of them than you think. Yeah. One stat that I and I'm sure it's out there that just uh, that I would love to know is what percentage of drives stall when there's a sack or a negative play. Uh, probably a large yeah. chunk of them. I, I saw a, a an NFL coach uh, studying film. It might have been Dean Pease here locally. I can't remember who it was. Who's the Titans defensive coordinator? Um, but the number of drives in the NFL that result in a score that do not have either an explosive play, 20-plus yards, or a penalty on the defense is, is, is basically you don't score on a drive in the NFL unless you get one of those two things. on. It. He's like, basically his point was if we can avoid giving up one explosive play or taking a penalty, right. we have a significantly higher percentage chance of making stops. Right, Andy Ludwig. And, and it goes without saying Oklahoma and Notre Dame have to play that style of defense or football in general. Right, need explosive plays and can't take penalties. Before the season this year, Andy Ludwig at Vanderbilt said they had a study where drives in which they had to play over twenty yards, they they thirty five percent more points or something. Right. You know, just the numbers like that are fat. now you still have to go and that's get why it. No, you still have to prevent those plays. And that's why I looked I, when I was looking at all the different numbers for all these teams. I was I was like, oh Notre Dame, very very good. They do not give up the big play, and that's a that's an opportunity where if you're making Trevor Lawrence work for it on every snap. There's a chance, you know, you got a freshman in the big spot. I mean, there's a chance. And you mentioned all the games for Clemson. There's not like they were the marquee ABC showdown where the entire country was focused on you on the road in a tough environment. I, I don't know. So. Clemson gave up five passing plays of 50 yards or more, which is not great. I, you know, I, again, that stat, I didn't see every one of their games. Was it could have been one when they were up, you know, 30, 30 points, right. you know, you, with, with reserves, all that there. So, so are you, are you being boring and picking? The favorites to cover oh, both. I, I had Alabama and Clemson, you know, in the ma in the magazine. I had Alabama and Clemson in August when the season started. So you're picking. There's Clemson nothing the I've points. seen. I'm taking Clemson in the points. Oklahoma in the yeah. To cover. I, I'm, it's it, it's not. It's probably not going to happen. I guess if I'm going to take both favorites to cover, but I I don't. Th there's been very few seasons where we've seen two teams that were clearly the best at the start, both go 13 and 0, and not be clearly still the best at the end. It, it you know 04 and 05 comes to mind, right? I think I want to say. What was the year? Was there a Florida State year where they went all wire to wire with somebody else, and somebody else went wire to wire? I guess it wouldn't have been um, Virginia Tech or Oklahoma, I guess. But we've had a cut. We've had one or two situations where basically teams started one and two and finished one and two, and and it's because they're great. And I don't. I'm not seeing the athlete matchup for Notre Dame. I'm not seeing the defensive matchup for Oklahoma. So we made the case for those two teams, but. I'm taking Bama big. I'm taking Clemson big, and I'm still I'm rooting for overtime. But like I'm I'm taking both of those teams to win big. So I still like both matchups, even though they're both like double digit touchdown favorites. I'm still intrigued by both. Oh, I think, think they're going to be fun to watch. And let's let's sort of shift gears to sort of the stuff peripherally peripherally around it. Uh, I absolutely I hope this is the way we move forward because if it's not going to be, and I think we will do this, if it's not going to be on New Year's Day in those two time slots. We've given up the New Year's Eve thing, thank God. I love the idea of a day, the 29th of December on a Saturday, where it's a sta it's a it's a weekend, so we can it can function like college football, like like you said, shockingly, yeah. like college football. 
but it's there's no holidays. It's not like you have to be doing something with the kids or with the in-laws. It's a true like let's invite the guys over. Let's we're gonna sit down. And we're gonna smoke some meat. We're gonna drink beer, and we're gonna take our kids are gonna play in the backyard, and we're gonna watch football from three p.m. Central Time till about ten p.m. Central Time. I'll be over at two fifty, and and it's it's like a true. I, I just I just am really excited, and I'm I'm startled by my own excitement that that's the that I'm so excited about the layout of it. Uh, yeah, because I, I don't have to. I literally can focus entirely on those two games was it, and nothing else. Right? Was it three years ago the Clemson Oklahoma game? So now it was so a Thursday on New, New Year's, Year's Eve, Eve, and like at like two o'clock West Coast time. Right. I remember because we're very busy this time of year working on our baseball magazine. So I was actually at work, had to stop at Kroger to get some dip for something. And like that you night. missed, and I missed the kickoff of the Oklahoma Georgia uh, like Oklahoma worked, Clemson game. You've worked in college football whole, media for twenty years, but my whole year is pointed towards this <laughs> right. game, and right. I, I'm at Kroger getting some cheese dip. I. I so so I am all good with the first. I'm all good with that. But I, I, I like the Saturday. It is, it is like as it's gotten closer. I'm like, oh my god! Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna text my buddies. We're gonna have like, what kind? Are we gonna, we're gonna smoke some wings? Like we, we're ready to go. It's gonna be like a real legit mm, family party. Like we, we get doesn't to, sound like a family party. I mean, sounds like a guy party. It, well, there, there's a. The girls can do whatever they want, you know. They go upstairs you're, you're, in the bonus were, room. They go I, out back. I saw like, you. You were thinking there. How sexist were you going to be with that comment? No, the, that's that's my, what, my wife. So I, one of the things I love about my wife is that she recognizes how important this stuff is. So she knows when the gravity of the moment's bigger than like just a regular game. So she hears LSU Alabama and thinks, oh, that's important. Ohio State Michigan. She knows that's important. Like Mississippi State. Versus Auburn, you're you're intrigued by, but yeah. she knows she can. That's when she can. Right, get Wisconsin, you out of the house. Iowa's playing. I can watch, and and or and maybe she can go do something. Or hey, watch the baby. I got to go do this or whatever. But she she what I love about her is that she recognizes the gravity and wants to celebrate that, but doesn't want to get all in on the day to day, which I love. I think is a great amount of interest because I don't want to sit there on Tuesdays and discuss, you know, Oregon's yards per play defense with her on Tuesdays. Like that's. That's too much being. Does a, she recognize the importance of the yards per play stat? I think she's coming around. Okay. On that, my wife has no idea. She's more of a. She's more of like a. She's more of like a yards per attempt. Okay. Fan. I can. Hey, that's. That's a, that's interesting. It's a, it's it's more like um like change, many, changes per morning. How many times how many you diapers? attempt? It's, it's diapers. How successful are you? Yeah, it's diapers per morning because she has to get the two kids out of the house by herself. So it's. What's the is it. What is it? Two over five? Two. Yeah, if it's over two, that's she's, had a, rough, she's yes. had a rough morning. If it's under two diapers per, per kid per morning, which is probably rare, yeah. it's got to average two. No, it was it was about two this morning. Okay. <laughs> if it's ever if it's ever over four, you're or in you're, trouble. Yeah, you're in deep trouble. No question about it. That's, you're in deep. You might something. need to take your kid to the pediatrician yes. at that point. Um. So all right. So I I love the layout of it all. I think that's something that's a little extra around the sides. I'm curious about the ratings. I'll be curious to see what what what, what happens because Notre Dame brings a huge audience, right? Whether you have, love them or hate them, Notre Dame brings a big audience, and Clemson's undefeated. But Notre Dame brings a bigger audience than Georgia for all those people that yes. think that just yes, certainly any more, right. certainly any Mississippi schools, yeah. <laughs> which is where this whole SEC bias thing started was oh Mississippi Mississippi State were in the rankings. Um, yes, Notre Dame brings a huge audience, um, so I think that rating will be big. And if Oklahoma, I think the rating for the second half of the Oklahoma Alabama game will be either massive or pretty small. I, I, not relatively What do you speaking. go on a limb there? Well, I don't think it's going to be just like, oh, people watched. I, I think it's going to be a record setter. If Oklahoma's in that game, it could be the most watched playoff game we've ever seen. If Oklahoma's not in that game and it's a blowout, it could be the least watched playoff game we've ever seen. So I'm just, I'm just putting okay. it on, on either end of the, the viewing spectrum there. Okay. Uh, anything else you, you want to 
touch on. Uh, you, I wanted to ask you about something because you mentioned this on the last pod, and I thought we, we didn't really dive too deep into it, and you mentioned it in passing. You said, you know what? I just don't feel like Brian, and maybe it was two pods ago, about Brian Kelly, and you said, I, I just he doesn't feel like a guy who's going to be there much longer than four, five, six more years. You, you sort of have like a shorter view of his career at Notre Dame, and getting back to my original question about what this win would mean, taking into account that you think that about Brian Kelly, wh- what does a win or loss do to that view of him? I think Notre a win Dame? changes his narrative, whatever whatever the word is, enormously. There's still a lot of Notre Dame. You don't think Dame. he could go to the NFL faster because he's won a title? Yeah, no. He, or do you no, think I, he I'm talking about from Notre, No, I, I, well, I misread the question, misinterpreted the question. I think from Notre Dame fans, all is forgotten. Four and eight's forgotten if he wins. There's still a lot of Notre Dame fans that don't like him, think he's a pain in the ass, you know. But if he wins a national title and beats Clemson and Alabama, are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, he's yeah. a legend. Yeah. I, just I guess think, my, my question was, uh, I guess I should have worded it better. D- does your perception of how long he's there change based on the outcome of this not, game? Not, I mean, if he gets blown out, may- maybe it's more likely he's not there in three or four years. I just think being a head coach at a major program, it's draining. Notre Dame is very draining. There's a lot to do at Notre I was up there, and not that this is a big deal, but on Fridays, you got to go to the, the, the pep rally. You got to speak and say all your corny jokes. You got to do this on late Friday night. It's a huge job with a lot of pressure, and I just think at some point, he's just going to say, you know what, I've been here eight, I've been here 12 years, I've been here whatever it is, I'm going to do something else. Hmm. Okay. I just wanted to get di- deeper into why you believe that and, That's basically and then tie it, it into yeah. the to the game itself and, and see what else. Uh, all right, I- anything else uh, you want to cover? If, watch watch uh, Marquise Brown play a perfect, awesome game and watch Jalen Hurts start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't – yeah. Just <laughs> so, Maybe we should record a different podcast. All right, right ready? Yeah. Man, J- it's, if Jalen it's Friday Hurts, morning. We just J- found out that Jalen Hurts has started. <laughs> Jalen Hurts, I, I think, listen, the offensive power rushing attack for for Alabama yes. with Jalen Hurts in there is it gives them another dimension. It makes them very difficult and, to and stop sideline to sideline. What they're clearly going to do is go one yard on first down, incomplete pass on second down, because that's when Jalen really thrives this year. It's third and long. Third and nine, yeah. Yeah, he's going to just uh, – so. And, and Hollywood Brown, I think, just, you know, I don't think there's any stopping him no matter how good the Alabama secondary is or how much pressure Kyler Murray faces. <laughs> exactly. I think he's too good. He's too dynamic and explosive in the open field. Although both of them could have limbs removed because they're so small. Snap. Have you seen – that wasn't like in the pod snap. Um, have we talked about the bodyguard? Uh, like the, the movie the, with Kevin Costner and the late great Whitney Houston? No, the Netflix show. And I will always love you. Yeah, don't sing. The Netflix show. So we're just we're done with college football. Talk? Yes. Okay. Have you? So you. I have, have, not I have seen a social it. etiquette question in, for you, and no, okay. I, and no, I have. It's not very seen good. We're 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 four episodes out. Of th- it's only six episodes. Not a big commitment. It's very good. Former um, podcast host David Fox uh, texted me a couple yesterday and asked me. Let me pull it up here and asked me, and I was going to ask you about this. He goes, "Have you watched Big Mouth yet?" And I said, "I'm waiting for the punchline," because <laughs> I thought he was making fun of me for talking a lot. And he goes, have you watched Big Mouth yet? And I said, waiting for Punchline. He goes, it's a Netflix show. Have you heard of that one? No. I haven't heard of that one either. So Netflix is just it's cool. so big now. They greenlight everything. I know. Um, like this podcast, what's the bodyguard about? This podcast is on Netflix. I didn't even know yeah. it. I was just flipping Live stream. Yeah. It's a British show uh, about a bodyguard, who, some guy who protects the home security. That she's got. It's basically like the defense, Secretary of Defense um, under constant um, terrorist threat. 
he protects his job is to he's the bodyguard of this government official. Okay, all right, I'll, I'll check good. it out. I'm I'm, only, I'm one episode into pink, Peaky Blinders, so if I see I'm that watching, all the time. I've if never I'm watching European shows. I'm still in that one. My okay. wife watches the British Baking Show, of course. So even Great Britain is churning out content. On oh Netflix no, there's a ton of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I do. Do you have a problem with? And I don't. I, this probably isn't that controversial of a, of a take, but I. So we talked a little bit about how I was hosting my wife's Christmas party. Yes. A couple pods ago. Hasn't uh, happened yet, has it? Yeah, yeah, it happened. Oh, it well, happened that night. It was it was wonderful. It was great. Everybody was great. The first wave who had kids sort of left around you know eight thirty, so they were there for about two hours, two hours and some change. I started doing the cleanup thing and kind of loosely tidying up and just kind of gently cleaning and come out with your uh, no no I kept my tank top I kept my stylish pants on, um, yeah five elevens slim cut baby um, you no slim da- cut no dad jeans for me baby whoa yeah I'm I'm larger on top. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I, buy, I, buy, I buy bulkier sweatshirts, but my pants still fit. It's okay. very strange. Um, so then we had like the last three or four that are a little bit closer. Yeah. They're more friendly. They're, they're closer with my wife, and we kind of all sat down, and I poured myself a glass. That's when I broke the bourbon out. Okay. I poured myself a glass. The, the, the early group wasn't worthy of the bourbon. So this is my, my, my two okay. social etiquette questions. Number one, is it okay while there are people still there to open up the cabinet where you have clearly hidden something that you don't want other people to drink to pour yourself one of those drinks? Yes, it's totally fine. I even offered it to to the one other gentleman I there that was there that I thought. Yeah, I mean, if you offered, of course it's okay. Right. So, but it's totally fine to hide the good stuff, right? Yes. Uh, at a party, because once you once you have a liquor, because that's your own. Like you didn't go out and buy like a a case of beer I bought, for the party. Like, yeah, I bought you, a bunch of beer and a bunch of wine probably, for the party. But you were probably reimbursed. It was your wife's party, no, right? No, no, no. Okay. This is us just doing something nice oh, for her oh, team. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was good. like we're having a Christmas party. Despite yeah. what you think, Mitch, I am. A, we are good people. I am a good person. I actually think you're a good person. I think you're an annoying person, but I, I do think you're a good person. <laughs> Honestly. I hate you so much. <laughs> no, seriously. You're a good person. I know I you're am. You're just annoying. I know I am. I don't need your validation. <laughs> you're just annoying. Um, so I you just, have good intentions. I wanted to make sure that was okay because yeah. I definitely put like the E.H. Taylor and the Elmer T's and I put that stuff in the cabinet. See, I don't have anything expensive. I, I don't, oh, man. I'm, that's my, I, have two, I have two vices. I, I listen to vinyl records and I buy good bourbon. Those are my two things. I came I by your house recently. I, don't, I was not offered anything. You're offered the Four Roses yellow label. <laughs> it, was also, it was also Sunday at 1 o'clock. It was also you know? $16. So. <laughs> um, no, I kept that out, and I kept the uh, the Tito's out for, for, for people if they wanted that. Um, you, what, what, so. what food did you serve? We went and got some, uh, some brisket and some smoked turkey, some green beans, From where? and some grits casserole, and uh, they brought desserts and, and, and some appetizers, so, they brought, so that was kind of cool. Um, and they all brought us like bottles of wine and stuff. So we actually ended up in the plus column for the alcohol. And one guy bought me a bottle of scotch, which was pretty cool. So Macallan 12 year. Mm, it's very nice. Got one. I think we'll have two nights of dinners at least, but if we've got one night of like a family dinner in Houston, do I go Texas barbecue or Tex-Mex? Uh, not n- brisket. Okay. Brisket. Get brisket. My son is just fired up for the, well, he wants beef ribs maybe. Get brisket. Two okay. meals then. Okay. But you, you cannot go to Texas and not eat the brisket. Okay. Because I got the brisket here for our party. It's fine. Brisket in Texas is heavenly. Big 12 cows are they're a little, Dude, you know. It's, it is no joke. I lived in Texas for six years. The brisket's better. He can get the ribs another time. Okay. He can get the ribs the second I will day. Tell, Gabe, he's got a young, Gabe loves to eat. He's got a young digestive tract. He can go two, 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 oh, two, yeah. two days in a row to the, to the barbecue. Yeah. But definitely get brisket. Okay. No question. Now, I'm a white sauce guy. I don't know about everybody else. But everybody loves it. Yeah. Spicy is good too. Uh, also, real quickly, how do you get out of a in-laws party 
when you're there with kids on Christmas Eve. And you're ready to go, and you're exhausted. So your wife's, my your wife's not. Live, I'm going. They live in a different state, so, so you I, never I, leave. You're just there. Yes, I'm. Yeah, I just. Uh, I'm on the couch. So, do you, do you are you allowed to indulge a little bit, you, so that you can go to sleep early, or? Yeah, we're like staying at a brother's house, so like I can do whatever I want. Like I go to bed whenever I want. Like especially, uh, I don't have to take care of the kids. You know, free range. Yeah, do that's always I want. my issues. I, I love our in laws, but we always go down there pretty early after you know before church then we go to church and then we come back to after church here's what you do kids need to go to bed after church Take but they don't and the little one into a different room embellish about the diaper she's not feeling well we need to go she sees through that stuff oh yeah she's too smart for that i did i did learn at thanksgiving though the joy of taking your kid to another room and just like sitting them down with a coloring book and playing with them yeah just just you and them oh yeah because it gets you away from everybody yeah else. Genius man. That, that's in fact, hey, the, you're not the first. In, in fact, the guy's house it was. My my wife's uncle walks in and goes, "Veteran maneuver there, Brayden." And I was yeah. like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean." <laughs> All right, so that got, that uh, concludes the personal portion and the recommendations on the Netflix portion of the podcast. Uh, I I got Alabama, and I got Alabama covering. Alabama take the under. That's what I got. I got Clemson covering. Uh, um, I don't know what the over under is on that one. Um, Mitch. Alabama Clemson. It, it, I'm assuming that's what you're taking as yes, well. Yes, but taking like, like you're taking o- the points. Oklahoma to cover. Oklahoma to cover. All right, there you go. Uh, have a great holiday, everybody. Of course, uh, safe travels to everybody. We'll be back to recap the, nas- the national semifinals uh, next week as well. So we're not we're not going anywhere. I mean, you're well, we're going somewhere, but we'll you're be going back. somewhere, but we'll be back in time to, to talk about the two big. I'll games. be in Michigan and Texas, and then back. And then back. Probably the next Jet setter, man. Oh, just jet setter. Very exciting. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. He's Mitch Light. You can follow him on Twitter at Mitch. Rate, review, subscribe. My name is Braden Gall at Braden Gall on Twitter. Enjoy the college football playoff, everybody. Hey.